0: Hey everybody welcome to Ocala Hustle. Today I am at Rainey's. I'm sitting with Joel Rainey who is the CEO of this magnificent business. Joel thank you so much for being with us. Absolutely. Can you tell us and the people watching about Rainey's?
1: So Rainey's is a, a company that um, is built on culture, built on core values, and we happen to also sell truck parts. So truck parts for big rigs, semi trucks and we sell anything uh, you can imagine for a a big rig semi. So custom accessories for the exterior to dress it up or comfort items for the drivers inside, uh, something they can take with them in and out of the truck. So
0: that's an interesting way to describe your business. You start with um, built on culture and customer service and happiness. Absolutely. And then also sell truck parts
1: yeah so the, the focus yeah the, and that's obviously you know probably subconscious but the fo- yeah. the focus has always been culture like that's always what we put first is the culture and the values here of the company
0: yeah and so we'll I think we'll jump into that more I will say that as we walked through the f- facility it like it like nowhere else I've ever been the culture permeates every inch of the space you could see it in the people you could see it in the way the place was outfitted. But let's start with the beginning. Sure. So how did Rainies get started?
1: So that goes back to 2010 uh, is when we officially were founded. Um, It started with actually my cousin. uh, He was selling overstock products for my father, uh, just products that had dust on them and he needed to move them out. And he was selling them through eBay. Um, My cousin and I are very close. He was the best man at my wedding. Uh, so I was in college um, getting my uh, master's, I'd already got my undergraduate degree in mm-hmm. Civil Engineering, I was getting my master's in uh, Structural Engineering and I had stopped in one day on, back in town visiting my family here in Ocala and I saw this setup they had going on which was my cousin had a big screen TV, he was in this house and I was like, man this is cool. Uh, so I learned a little bit about it, uh, I got interested in it, I've always been interested in business because I've watched my father uh, conduct business all his life and uh, just ended up getting more and more involved in it. and. Uh, Eventually, it became that during my classes at USF, uh, they were night classes, I would spend all my time answering questions uh, customers were sending in or taking right. phone calls from customers. All the phones were rerouted to my cell phone. And I just my, my focus was shifting and um, I eventually took the dive and, and, and left Tampa, moved back home and went all in on this and my father handed it over to me. So now,
0: so your dad, um, his business is what?
1: They're mainly hard parts, mechanical parts, and okay. installation. So uh, he's got a big operation with 22 service bays where they do installs and driveline shops and uh, parts parts counter. And um, that's his operation over there.
0: And that goes back to your grandfather.
1: Correct. My grandfather got us into the industry probably back in, the I think, the 50s. And then my dad got wow. involved in the 80s. And then I got involved in the 20, 20, 2010s. Do you know what the... Um
0: success rate is for multi-generational businesses i did not it is um shockingly low you know it's something like 76 percent of even second not even talking third but second generation businesses fail so it's a tremendous you know um accomplishment to have seen this go through no it's crazy so but that's not what we're talking about today it's it's great to hear kind of that root so what year did you say it was when you said, "Okay, I'm I'm going to leave school and I'm going to come back and do this"? So that was in 2010.
1: 2010.
0: All right. So take us through kind of your growth. Was it slow or how did it how did it go?
1: The growth has always been uh, somewhat fast, and uh, what really kicked us off is something we still do to this day, and that's listening to our customers. Uh, so my my father's company, they sell parts from hundreds of suppliers um, that don't overlap with us. And what happened was a customer emailed in asking for a product. I had no idea what it was, my father didn't sell it, my cousin didn't know what it was. So rather than saying, hey, we don't carry it, which a lot of businesses will do, right. saying, hey, that's not in yep. our business model. We found out what it was, we found out who manufactured it, we went direct to that company and it sold so much better than anything my dad had given us to sell oh, okay. online and so we listed the whole catalog and then it took off and then we said okay well now we're in a whole different ball game here and we started finding more manufacturers that were similar and that's kind of when it took off and then we got off of ebay we built our website and okay i got to take the first call on our website that was a sale i still remember yeah. that the, cu- the customer's name and everything and it was very exciting um and then uh just put a lot of focus on our website and built our website out
0: that's so cool so that's when you mentioned that you guys were selling on ebay I was thinking to myself, okay, so that was the start using someone else's platform. Yep. And so then at some point you shifted over. And I think it's important to remember as we talk about this, like it's 2020 and there's this huge like comfort that people have now with ordering online, yep. but I don't think that was the way it was in
1: 2010. Not right? at all. And I, I'd i have to dig through some of our call recordings if we still have them, but there were some... Bizarre calls where we'd have to walk a customer through how to use their keyboard. I mean, talking spacebar and enter, like I remember yeah, yeah. these very specifically. And I mean, it was, we were teaching our customers how to use the computers because a lot of them didn't shop online. We were one of the first companies in our industry to bring it to the sure. on- online world. And so they just weren't accustomed to it. And uh, now it's a lot more common. For uh, sure. COVID's forced a lot more people that didn't want to shop online to shop yeah. online, which has been great. But back then, yeah, it was new. And, and, and I mean, we made stupid mistakes. I mean, when we first started online, we, we didn't know what we were doing. Like We didn't know what we were doing. If a customer wanted to pay with a credit card, we made that customer fax, scan and fax a copy of the front of their credit card, the back of their credit card, and the front of their ID. For any size order, it could be a $1 order. We, we would make them do that. Wow. And, and obviously our conversion rate was really low, because how many customers <laughs> are going to trust to do that? And Can then, I send
0: you my social security number too?
1: And this is what we did. And we yeah. did this for probably six months. And uh, then I don't know what clicked. I think we just called up another company in our industry and tried to order from them and they didn't require it. And then we looked at big names and, and, right. and they didn't require it. We're like, yeah, what are we doing? So so then we stopped making people fax copies of their credit cards. That's the best way to learn things,
0: you know, you observe what's working in the world and that's, you adapt and And adopt.
1: Yeah, and that that eliminated a lot of friction. So one of the things
0: we talked about that I want to hear more about is the humble beginnings of Rainies, like physically. So tell me about where your offices were set up in these early days.
1: Yeah, so our offices were in a Jim Walters home uh, that my father owned, so we leased that from him. Oh, uh,
0: wait you leased it from him yeah so time. there's no free ride
1: here no there's no free ride <laughs> that's great he, good job dad we, we didn't need a private you know an, an investment firm you know right. venture capitalist because that was my father uh, <laughs> yeah. which is much better sure but yeah no 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 free ride there awesome we, we, so you're in
0: a jim walters home yeah how big is this place
1: it was a you had one two bedrooms and a bedroom upstairs so three bedroom um I don't know how many square feet probably you're on top of each oh, other oh you're on top of each other and uh you know the first office we started using was one bedroom and we eventually got like four five people crammed in there I mean <clears throat> at one point we had uh closer than you and I were you know I was working on one computer my cousin worked on another and we had somebody in between us working on this tiny laptop oh, wow, yeah uh, then we branched out to other other rooms of the building um the house and uh you know we had uh, the kitchen was our warehouse so okay. you open up a kitchen cabinet and there's parts labeled you know so each kitchen cabinet was a bin location and uh, we'd pull those parts and we'd, we'd stage them on the front porch of the house and the ups driver you know she got a chuckle out of it and sure. uh, she got to see us grow which was cool but she would come she'd come up to the front porch she'd take the parts off the front porch and uh, she'd fill up her truck and i don't even Man. know if we were supposed to be a valid location for pickup and delivery right. or not. but she came she picked up and uh, yeah we, we staged it all i remember we had a uh, A little table and it had like a tape a tape gun on it and like sharpies and that was our shipping table it was just so unprofessional but it worked whatever it took
0: no i mean that's what's cool you know especially looking at what you're where you're at now to kind of think back through that so what was the next iteration of rainies
1: so the next iteration was the house next door so we started in one house it had one working bathroom and then we had like 20 people in that house fun Um, during the winter if it was cold and you had the heat on if you went to the microwave to like heat something up, power went out. Knocked, it, <laughs> knocked everybody off the phones, so we had to call our customers back, uh, it was bad. So then we got into this other house next to us, and that house we had to hook up with electricity and it didn't have working water either, so we had to hook up water to it. Uh, they were on the same little piece of property, and so then we used that house. And then we probably got up to about 30 or 40 people, and we were completely out of room again. We were doing interviews in a shed out back. and. A lot of applicants would show up and turn around. Sure. We didn't have a logo scary. anywhere. Yeah. We were an unmarked building. We had talked about that. Yeah. Um, uh, but the people we did, they knew, we knew like, hey, they're in this. You know, Right. So If you're coming there to It was a litmus test of commitment. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If you walked in these houses and you saw the mess everywhere, people on top of each other, no privacy. If you were okay with that type of environment, you were the right type of applicant. So it it was kind of cool because, I mean, you'd see that some here now in this building, but it's obviously more official. So you don't get that complete filter where someone knows, like, hey, I'm walking into this. and it's.
0: I mean, it says something about what you expect from people, like when they come in and they walk past the conditions people are working in, how hard they're working, how committed they are. Like, if somebody doesn't want to show that level of commitment to a company, that would come out in that interview, so it probably was a really good filter. Sure,
1: it was, and, and we had fun with it. We did all kinds of strange things in interviews. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah.
0: So. All right, so then you go from one house to now you're in three houses.
1: So then we come here, finally. So this, okay. this was a big jump. We had a warehouse we rented, uh, 5,000 square feet. Then we rented another 5,000 square feet next door, uh, but they weren't connected. Uh, with. There was a wall in between them, so that was really inefficient. Uh, so we were running out of warehouse space for those 10,000 square feet. We were running out of room with offices. So we went on the hunt for a building big enough to hold office and warehouse. And that was very hard to find.
0: So what did you envision? Because I know you talked about this was what you had in mind. But what did you envision the next uh, space would look like?
1: Uh, something newer, more modern. Uh, when we walked in here, it had been abandoned since the 70s. Yep. it looked like a, a a walking dead zone. Like there was stuffed animals on the ground, there was mm. bullet shell casings on the oh. ground, there there was uh, it was and people still had their coffee cups on their desks and their paperwork. I mean, when they like shut any- down, they just told everyone to leave. Yeah. So it was it was a little eerie, uh, and it was a major project cleanup. And, and I thought the warehouse portion was too big, and the and the office wasn't enough. Uh, but that's when we built out more office. Uh, we ended up using the warehouse. We cleaned it all up. We raised the ceilings up. Uh, it was, it just, when you looked at it, it wasn't anything that looked inviting at right. all. Uh, but we, we got it done and it, it ended up working out very good.
0: Yeah, I know. It's beautiful. So just for contrast, you just said that you were in three houses. Let's say that's 5,000 square feet total. And then you had two warehouse spaces, 5,000 and 5,000. So you're talking about you had about 15,000 square foot sure. of space. And this is
1: 125,000 square feet. And what's really funny, and I don't talk about this much, but we had plans that we had met with multiple um, construction companies and bid it out to build a 20,000 square foot building. Right, that would be what we need. It would be office and warehouse. It was uh, 15,000 warehouse and 5,000 office. And we were close to pulling the trigger on that. And that would have been a major mistake so we got very lucky that that didn't happen so
0: your vision was to go from the 10,000 ish or 15,000 you were using to about 20 and dad your dad yep, comes says, in and says, says not enough that you need this space yep. to which you said it's too big too big but when we were walking around you said we're looking for
1: more space we're out of room so it's been three years and we're out of room and so it's a very good thing my dad thinks very big very yeah. long-term visionary because um, and he was you know, at first he was on board with that twenty thousand square right. foot building. Uh, but then I think he saw the way we were growing and he can look at it from an outside perspective because he's you know, he's got his own business and over here he just gets to watch and have fun sure. and enjoy it. And, and we're buried in, in the everyday things and, and so busy and I think he could just see us taking off and he knew, you know, that's not big enough right. you need this and
0: well I think like when you're dealing with somebody that has a lot of business experience and a lot of life experience And I speak to this because my dad helped me quite a bit in business as well. They have both the additional perspective that you're talking about of being outside of the day-to-day, which is such a huge help, and the perspective of having been in business for all that time and seen and made mistakes that they want to help you avoid. So that's tremendous.
1: Yeah. So we got very lucky with this building and it's been excellent.
0: Yeah. Man, that's great. So I think this would be a good opportunity to transition to kind of talking about what today's episode is about, which is culture. So um, one of the things that when we, when we did our pre-interview that we talked about quite a bit was the deliberate way that you guys approached culture from the very beginning. And so I want, I want to hear you talk to that because I see how most businesses engage with culture and I think that I'm guilty of this too. With almost lip service, and you guys made that your DNA. So I'd love to hear more about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in the very beginning, we're in this house. We've got four or five employees, and, and we're just having a great time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all be- some of these people we had never met before, becoming best friends. Uh, you know, we'd be lucky if we got three calls a day. You know, if we got three calls a day, we're high fiving, we're cheering. You wow! Know? So uh, we're celebrating those calls, and maybe one of those calls is a sale. So we made a hundred dollars in one day. We're excited. Uh, but we had flexibility because we weren't that busy. Uh, so, you know, we I remember a couple times we would just close up, turn the phones off and we'd go to a Rays game in Tampa. Mm. Or we'd go outside and play a game of tackle football. <laughs> or, you know, we'd, we'd, sometimes a wrestling match would break out in our building, right. like, it was crazy. And it was just so fun, you know, we'd try to throw funny words in on phone calls when we were talking to customers. Oh, yeah, and that's fun, yeah. Just, we'd prank each other all day. And, and we just, that's what made it enjoyable and that's what bought all of us into it and we just all agreed we never want to lose that like no matter how big we get we never want to lose that because that's what makes it enjoyable to come to work that's what mm. makes us happy and then you know when you can build that culture and stick to that culture and get the right people they'll add to that culture and right. it just grows and grows and grows and your customers feel it when you pick up the phone you're talking to a customer they can feel you know your, your, your mentality at that time and your personality and, and how you're feeling that day so uh, it goes so much more beyond that and you The thing a lot of businesses struggle with is you can't really put a return on investment on culture. Right, it's very hard to calculate. It may be even impossible, but we've seen it works. We know it works. We've seen it proven, and and, and our growth is a testament to that. And so, no matter what we do, we put culture first. And so back then, you know, I we talked a little bit. We read the book uh, "Delivering Happiness" by Tony Shea with Zappos, and that was kind of our guide. Yep, and. uh, Now, I think when we had about eight employees, we said we need some core values. It was after we read the book and we needed some core values. So uh, not one person built those. We sent a survey out to the team at the time and said, hey, what is most important to you in your life and in work? Because we want it to be both. And we consolidated it down to eight core values. Mm. And we put those um, in in stone. And uh, that's what we stuck by. And and you're right. A lot of companies will build core values. They'll put them on a wall. They'll put them on a sign. They'll put them in their welcome book but that's all. You yeah. see them on the wall, you see him in the welcome book, but no one talks but about them. Can no you feel money. it
0: when you engage right, with them? You
1: can't. And and it is not easy. It is a challenge. It's one of the most challenging parts of our business. You know, making money, being successful, that's all important. But holding on to culture, that is just as important and, and just as difficult. And uh, that's why I have an entire department dedicated to it. It's why it's what we hire on, what we fire on, it is just surrounds us, and it, is, it has to be in, in, our, in our blood in and yeah. in our DNA, like you said, every day, inside of work and outside of work, yep. for it to work.
0: So I think what, to me, seems like um, very special, different, and really well, kind of great foresight on, on y'all's part is recognizing that you wouldn't be able to have that same feel as you grew. And, and then making choices around maintaining it. Because I know, like, when we were a small business, I just thought we'd always be really small. And so I didn't, as we, you know, and, and like, growth can sometimes creep up on you. And, and like, you, if you don't make that deliberate choice, all of a sudden you're looking around you're like, when's the last time we, like, did the raise game thing? Or when's, yep. okay, so how, so you, so I know you said you read the book. Yep. Okay. What, did you have any challenge with getting everybody to buy in, or was it really like team-wide?
1: Because we did it so early, it was team-wide. Yeah. Because we did it so early, we had we had the right people already. Right. There was nobody on the team that was against it. You know, We had the right people early, so we were fortunate that we started it early, for sure. That makes it a lot easier because then you can build based on that. You have the right foundation to build yeah. off of. Uh, that doesn't mean we didn't get some hires wrong in the beginning, and there were some early people in the beginning that did not fit the culture. and. And we learned that and we had to make the tough decisions to well, That's really
0: hard, man. When you're when it's like, we're growing and we need to hire, and you have a candidate that checks all these boxes, but you're like, yeah. So it's, is that where you think you went wrong sometimes by not saying?
1: Yeah, it's always difficult. Yeah. Uh, when you have a great applicant in front of you, especially if you're in major growth mode, you need somebody yes. and you have a great applicant in front of you, and when I say great, I mean great on paper, can get the job done, you know, very, very smart, very skilled at what they've done, a lot of experience, but doesn't fit the culture. Right. It's hard to turn them down. Uh, a, an example right now is during COVID, uh, we're very busy and supplies are hard to get, demand is way up, people are shopping online. So there's a lot of stress, a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to hire, hire, hire. And probably you know, once or twice a week, it happens. We have a quick conversation and we're like, you know, this applicant was pretty good. I don't know if they're culture fit. We need somebody badly. Should we bring them on? Should we skip this part of the interview process? Should we see if maybe down the road yeah. we can form them into that? And the good thing is, is we've brought on such good people. We have so many good people here that somebody always keeps us in check. Right. Somebody always speaks to them and says, no, we, we cannot There's abandon some, what yeah. we've done because anytime we've done it in the past, it's backfired. They don't last and they, and they can create this bad culture around the, around them, and then you might lose somebody because that because if they right. get them on that track, then you got two people you got to let go or three people you got to let go. So it's just never worth it. It's never worth it. And you have to remind yourself that. Well,
0: it's hard to make that decision too, especially because I think when we spoke on the phone one time, you were telling me you were super busy because you're short-handed yep. and you're filling in the gaps. Yep. So when you have that applicant that's going to relieve you of that yeah. pressure, yeah. Whew, that is so hard. But... It's hard to see the ROI of culture sometimes, but I think anybody that's had a bad culture fit of an sees the cost,
1: oh, it's you know that costly. it can have, so. absolutely very costly. And so we've let go we've let go from departments before some of our top performers. I mean, mm. top companies would love to have these people um, but with us and our and our business model and what we've seen be successful, we've made the tough decision we've let them go. And what happens is yeah, there's a drop for a little bit in productivity. Yep. But you know, very quickly within weeks, you see the whole department's morale improve, and then right. you see everybody raise their production up, and uh, and it works. It yeah. does work.
0: No, I, I think it all makes sense, and I think I don't think anybody running a business or managing people would argue it, I think it's hard to apply it in that like tough decision point.
1: It's very hard. So
0: talk to me a little bit about hiring for culture, like how do you try to capture that?
1: Yeah, so we have a three-part interview process, Uh, well I guess four. We have a phone call where Mm -hmm. we ask some really wacky questions like, you know, zombie apocalypse happens, what do you do? Okay. Uh, Favorite superhero, why? Uh, How weird are you? Okay. Uh, Tell us why. (laughs) Um, And and we just like to see, because some people, they don't go for it, you know, they think it's a strange question, they take it very seriously, or they take it wrong, you know, there, you're out.
0: Um, Do you ever get like, so are these fast zombies, like World War Z, are these like Walking
1: Dead zombies? Oh, people ask, people ask. It's important Um, distinction. Very, very important. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'll do goofy things like that, we do the phone interview, then they pass that, they come in and do the first interview, and the first interview is strictly culture. So they do that with our HR department, our culture department, strictly culture. Then if they pass that, so they have to pass the phone interview and the culture interview. Then they go to meet with the team lead, and then it's more of a skill okay. interview. And then after that, there's still one more, and they go out, and again, it's changed with COVID, but normally they go out, they get lunch or coffee, something very casual with two random members of our team. Mm. And that is just to catch them outside of this formal process right. and just get to know them in a casual environment, and uh, and then we get feedback from our team when they come back and we see how it went.
0: Well, that's it's thorough...
1: So, it probably takes you longer than takes you'd a, like to hire. Very long time to hire. But
0: the investment up front, you, you would argue, would save you long yeah,
1: term. Yeah, it costs a lot of time and money to train people. Yeah. Um, and you know, your people that are doing the training are very valuable too, and you're taking up their time. So, to, to get the wrong person, spend all that time, months of training, getting them ready. And then you're depending on them to help alleviate phone congestion you're helping them to alleviate uh, congestion in the warehouse or on the sales side and then you, you do all this and then they last a week once they're actually in their position oh it's it's terrible right. yeah it's terrible
0: so then i think you had mentioned that you also when you're doing your evaluations how what, what's the frequency that you're doing employee evaluations
1: um, every quarter.
0: Okay, so you're doing quarterly evaluations. A, a large portion of that's about culture as well.
1: Correct. So the performance review ties every job task to culture. So, okay. Uh, when we sit down and do the um, performance reviews, you literally go co- uh, core value to core value, and you're graded on your core values, and um, you know it's a scale. And if you're not performing, you know that's that's something. You gotta so you can up.
0: tie every person's every like so every function mm-hmm. of a person's job ties back to one of
1: the eight core values okay at least one of the eight you know some might overlap with a few of them but but we do and they all tie back so that we make sure again we're reinforcing our culture in these Mm. when we meet with people and i mean the culture is reinforced on the phones with customers we connect with every customer on a phone call um we spin a wheel when someone does a really good job they get to spin a wheel and there's like exciting prizes on there that's something that's lasted through all the ages which Mm. is cool that wheel started in our house and it's got maybe 10 slots and each one's different. Um, so that, that's neat and uh, anyone does a good job, they get to spin that wheel. Um, and then, you know, you know, I talked a little bit about it in our customer service department. We try to wow customers. Right. And, and you met our uh, master of wow, which is her position. So in, let's slow down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You
0: have a, an employee, a team member, whose title is master of wow. Yep.
1: Master of wow. Go ahead. And that shows you our yes. investment in this and how seriously we take it because, I mean, we, we do have a position dedicated to that. And they're making sure that our customer service is wowing customers every day. And so we encourage customers, they get a, they get a budget, um, an amount of money, and they can spend it on a, um, two or three customers each per month uh, to wow them. And so I had talked to uh, her before this and asked her for some good examples. And uh, so one recently was uh, a customer service rep was on the phone with a, a customer and every year an annual disney trip they do and they and they love it and it means a lot to them the customer does the customer, a customer trip. does an annual okay. disney trip and this year they can't go because of covid and they were very you know down about it and so they get off the phone our customer service rep found a really nice um, portrait of disney uh, of disney world mm. and mailed it to them and they had a lanyard with it and a little pin um, same with uh, uh, the beach you know someone oh, over the, likes to go to the beach all the time and they'll send them a bottle of sand little memorable things like that sure uh just and the reactions are amazing and because most people don't do that right and, and that's hard too just like reinforcing culture that's hard you know we started that and we couldn't get people to do it it's like yeah. we're giving you money find use something creative money. use the money and,
0: and surprise customers well it's a big paradigm shift because i when i think about um customer service and you know taking care of a problem or trying to make a customer happy. I, I, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people think outside of my product, my service, what am I doing here? What am I doing for you? And what you're asking them to do is like, get to know the person Absolutely. and do something that's outside of what we do. Yeah. Cause so, it's a, what you're doing is you're making it about them and not about you. Right. Which is not the way a lot of businesses think.
1: Yeah. And I think that's one advantage we have. And that's been a big part of our growth is, you know, our competitors can copy our website, they can copy totally. our technology, they can spend the money to, 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 to look like us, but they can't copy our personality, and right. our brand, and, our, and the heart of the company. That's something intangible. They can't have that. Um, and so that's why we put such big emphasis on that because in the end, the customer is going to remember their experience and if our experience is that much better, more memorable than our competitors, they're going to come back to us. We could be, more, we could be higher priced uh, or we could be slower shipping. Uh, which we'd never want to be those things but they'll still come back to us because we're going to treat them so well and and we're going to you know we it was driver appreciation two weeks ago i think and um, we sent out some quotes uh, from some of our sales reps talking about memorable customers they made and and one one girl was talking about how she developed such a relationship with uh, this truck driver that uh, he called her just to let her know that um, they had a baby and sent her pictures of the baby and how excited he was and had a great conversation about that um, there's just so many examples right. like that where it's just so exciting to hear well like
0: she's not the customer service rep she's like a part of his sphere now like yep. he wants her to know about big life events
1: yep absolutely and uh, one customer is funny um, he our sales rep talked to him so much he calls him uncle whatever his name is like anytime he calls it's his uncle he calls him his uncle and, and this is and, the customer calls the
0: customer service rep the no uncle. our customer service okay. calls the customer <laughs> uncle. His uncle. yeah it's so great
1: so yeah. it's, it's funny just things like that make a big difference and that's something we started from the very beginning and and we you know we don't have a limit on our time phone uh, phone call times um, we have phone calls last up to an hour sometimes wow. and it's just them talking in some companies Look down on that. Right. They say, hey, you're wasting company time right now. Yeah, How many gotta, calls can you take? Get them off the phone. Efficient, efficient, yeah. efficient. Right. But in the long run, what's what's more valuable? To us, it's more valuable to develop that relationship in the long run rather than, hey, get off the phone and take another phone call. That
0: makes sense. Okay. So let's say that somebody watching is like, okay, I'm in, I, I see the value of culture. I see the value of core values. I'm a 10-year-old company and we haven't made that sort of investment of time and energy. What would you tell somebody like hey here's how you could start today on focusing on culture?
1: Yeah, so the first thing they want to do is get their core values. Like they got to figure out what's important to them, what's important to their customers. They got to get their core values. Uh, that's the first thing Uh, then I think they need to have a meeting with their team make sure everybody's on board
0: I want to just comment real quick on the core value thing because that's I I, and and maybe I should just confess this as we go into this conversation is that that was me a few years ago where we had been around for about eight years and all of a sudden I realized we've never really communicated even as a team who we are and what we believe and when I made that decision to say hey let's start with the core values which I think that's you're exactly right that's where you start when you want to build your culture if you've been around, one of the benefits you have over somebody that you maybe over you that started at the beginning, we know what our customers know about us to be true. And so for us, it was that we've heard frequently, trust was a big reason why people continued to use us, um, and that we were always trying to improve. And that informed our first two core values of integrity and in continuous improvement. So you might reflect on feedback you've received as well. That's a great Just idea. Just to throw yeah. that out
1: there. No, that's awesome. Absolutely. So you get those, and, and then I mean the hardest part is making sure who you have on yep. board is going to encourage that because if you're a 10-year-old company, you have never had culture, implementing that culture and holding people to it is going to be hard because you might have five-year-old employees or nine-year-old employees that don't fit the culture. Right. How hard is that then to let go of a person that's been with you that long and they didn't know when you hired them that there was going to be right. this? So then it becomes very emotionally difficult to do. Uh, but if you're going to go all in on culture, you have to, sure. you have to because people love to be around each other, it makes them happy and they'll work harder for each other. If they all believe in the same vision and they all you know, have that same culture, it really does matter.
0: So then tell me this, how does this person that's going all in on culture work through that first conflict between culture and a decision that needs to be oh, made? It's
1: not going to be fun at all. Right. it's going to be very stressful. Um, I think they need to set the example and, and they need to find the people that do believe in it the most and have them lead and uh, let the others see that it works. you yeah. got to show that it works. So get the right people to lead by example. That's great.
0: So. Yeah, I mean that is so key and something that I think is where people go wrong is they take the do as I say, not as I do mentality. Yeah. And that never, ever, ever works. No. Never works. You won't get
1: people rallying behind you that way. Yeah,
0: no kidding. So, all right. Captain America is here with us. All right? So, when we walked around, we saw an awesome placement of great superheroes, uh, action figures, including one of my favorites was I saw Dwight Schrute was in... Was that customer service?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Is he really the key customer service guy?
1: I don't know who's... Figure that is, I'm not sure, but uh, I, I love Dwight. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, the is So
0: how does the how how do the figurines and all that like? What do you how do you feel that kind of gets involved?
1: So we like to show our personality. We mm-hmm. want everyone to be themselves here. You know, that's you know why we ask. You know, how weird are you? And we we want people to be honest and you know, we want people to be themselves. We encourage everyone to be their own individual here, and I think that just builds for a better environment and atmosphere. And it just so happened that our core team, you know, the first maybe 10 that we, we started with, all loved superheroes, They all loved action figures. And, sure. And so some people, you know, might not love them as much as us, but uh, they got ingrained everywhere, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um, and that's just something that a lot of us were into. I, I don't know. We're superhero nerds. But, uh and superheroes are, you know, good people. They fight for good reasons, and you know, kind of like our culture. You know, we, right. we fight for our customers, and we do it for the right reasons, and, and it just it just ties back to kind of our personality. So
0: these are a mix of like stuff that the company bought, and then stuff other people said. Oh, I love Dwight Schrute. I'm yeah. gonna put him up there. And- yeah.
1: So one thing we do in our culture and performance reviews. So our performance reviews. You're talking about, you know, how do you incorporate yep. culture into those one of the things people get graded on on that thing and this is serious they get graded on this this affects their performance is how recognizable their desk is if you look at their desk you know who it is and so that encourages people to bring out things like this and show their personality that's so, a great
0: idea so yeah. i mean you feel so much more invested
1: in your space when yep. it's
0: not just this blank canvas yep. that's yep. So incredible something
1: simple like that they get graded on that and if they don't if they don't have a good grade they got to bring something in bring something mm. personal in. we want to see who you are we don't want to look like this call center blanket right. corporation we want to look fun and show yeah, well, mission accomplished yeah thank you sure. thank you and you know like uh, my my 10-year anniversary the 10-year anniversary of the company was recently um a couple weeks ago and um oh congratulations oh you're welcome uh, thank you thank you thank, you, you're welcome. Yeah, thank um, you and you're welcome yeah thank you and you're welcome um but our our general manager who's been here since the beginning He wrote me a nice note and he got me a a cast iron um, shield of Captain America. You know, I
0: saw that on Facebook, that thing was on point. That that was really cool. So that
1: was neat. And you saw, like, if you read the letter, he tied it back to kind of, you know, my personality and, and, mm-hmm. and how I am and, and now it's in the middle of my desk and I look at it every day and it's a great reminder but just little things like that Those just touchstones
0: are great yeah. you know like especially you might be going through something hard you look down you see that thing and you remember oh okay yeah. all right this is good
1: so that's kind of why you see these things ever they really just symbolize you know different moments of different personalities and
0: so in most offices nameplates are a very
1: boring thing all right not here not so here. talk
0: to me what does your nameplate say
1: Chief Chromazonian. So. Chief
0: Chromazonian. We're going to get into Chromazonians in a second. We saw Voice of Reason was a person's nameplate. Yep. Wonder Woman was a nameplate. Yep. What are some other nameplates around?
1: Uh, the LOL Room. Oh yeah, the LOL Room. Um, that's they're a loud good one. and laugh a lot. Uh, what else do we have? H.R. Popo. H.R. Popo's going to be a good room. H.R. Popo's Yeah, that's good. Uh, Pandora's Box. Right. Okay. So what we did was we told everyone, hey, we've got these big doors and we need to put your personality on the door. Uh, we're not going to put marketing department, we're not going to put HR department. That's boring, like you said, like mm-hmm. everybody does it and we don't want to mm-hmm. do what everybody else does. Uh, so we want people to walk through and an applicant, when an applicant walks through and they see these on the door, they yes. get an idea of what they're walking into. And maybe somebody doesn't like that. Maybe somebody wants to be called marketing department and, and that's not the right fit here. So it's, it's for a lot of reasons, um, but we send it out and we said, hey, come up with what your door name is going to be. And so that's where those nameplates come from. Man, it's,
0: it's awesome. A lot of fun, and it really does like show that person's personality. Now, do, do most people pick theirs? Or like the LOL room, did those guys get <laughs> told you guys are the LOL room? They might
1: have had some encouragement from their coworkers, <laughs> and, and they probably liked it. So most people pick, but yeah, they get input from others. Like, hey, what do you think of me? What do you think I should do?
0: So now let's talk about being a Chromazonian. So yes, Chromazonians. Tell me about it.
1: So again, that comes. I think we came up with that name around the same time as our culture, as our core values. Uh, it was in the yellow house, I remember having the conversation and writing names on a whiteboard. I, I can remember it. And uh, we came up with Chromazonians and the thing was most of what we sell is shiny, bling, chrome is what they call it, whether it's stainless or, or, or aluminum, they okay. still call it chrome. Um, chrome is in our DNA, so Chromazonians, chrome's in our DNA. And we wanted a name for ourselves because we're all a big family here. We wanted something unique to call each other. And uh, I think that makes you feel more of a family too. For sure. Something, you know, like a team name, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what it was. And uh, so Chromasonians is what we are. It's been shortened to Chromie sometimes. Chromies. I Chromies. like it. So there's a different slang with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we incorporated that. And, you know, I try not to use the word employees, it feels corporate. So yes. we refer to each other as either teammates or Chromosonians, mm-hmm. And uh, I think it makes a big difference and gives people a sense of pride and, 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 and purpose here. And, uh, you know, like, when when people do the interview process, um, we have a, a there might be one up there behind the camera, a metal card. It's a it's a metal card and uh, it's got all our core values on it. Mm. And it, when you become a Chromazonian, you you get handed that card and you get to keep it. Mm. It's pretty cool. It's a thick metal card. It's got all our core values. Like credit card sized, like yeah, the wallet kind thing. Yeah, oh, that's cool. And uh, we hand that to applicants in the interview process too. We tell them to look at it and pick which core value is most important to them and know why. Uh, mm. So it's your Chromazonian card.
0: I mean, you really, like, it's in and out of everything, and it's amazing how you incorporate in the interview process. So then, the last year has been super challenging for all of us, and in so many ways. As it relates to culture, as people start working remote, what what did you do to kind of maintain your culture?
1: Yeah, so it's been difficult. Absolutely, it's been difficult. And, and you know, there's been times you can feel the culture is not as vibrant. Um, you can't see it. You can't feel it. And that's difficult because... We've spent so much time building this culture. Now you've got a pandemic, you know, threatening it. Uh, so we spend a lot of time on Zoom. Uh, we spend a lot of time doing virtual trivia, virtual games. You know, we still do like pajama days and costume days, and you you get on Zoom or you send a picture of yourself. So was
0: that something that you did before? Like you would yeah. have days yeah. where everybody wore pajamas, everybody wore yeah. a costume. Okay, a-
1: absolutely. Um, Uh, you know, team day, uh, and so now it's a little more challenging, but our culture department and HR department, they do an amazing job pushing and keeping people engaged and checking in on people. That's so important, people being alone all the time, you know, you don't know how people are handling that. So constantly communicating with them, keeping them them engaged, making sure they're happy, Um, and then, yeah, finding ways to still celebrate those things virtually, you know. um, I think it was National Dog Day the other day, and we had everyone send a picture with their dogs. Um, And we use, you know, our communication channel, we use Slack, um, so we keep everybody engaged on Slack. And, um, you know, something we did um, at the beginning of the pandemic was we sent out a... um, a kind of a fun little gift box to everybody saying, hey, we're still thinking about you to all our remote workers. And that reminded them of like, hey, they definitely are still thinking about us.
0: Nice. So you mentioned that one of the things and we saw it actually on a board quotes from that you get feedback from customers. And I think you said you had something you wanted to share.
1: Yeah, sure. So as I mentioned earlier, like during Truck Driver Appreciation Week, we our marketing team wanted to uh, highlight some quotes from our sales team uh, thanking or giving comments to our customers. Uh, So, you know, one, this was from Rachel, who's one of our sales reps. Uh, She said, connecting with our customers is one of the best parts of my job. I've been working with one customer's family for over a year now. We've talked so much that I got a random phone call one day, nothing to do with a business transaction, just to let him know, just to let Rachel know that um, the customer's wife was pregnant. And so she said, it's always a pleasure to talk to him and his wife and she's honored to be a part of their journey.
0: Man, that's so cool. So
1: it's neat to to hear her say she's honored to be a part of their journey. Like, you know, she feels the same way. Uh, another uh, sales rep here, Maya, she said, I love each and every one of our customers and the stories they share with me, but of course I love my military vet- veterans. As a USMC vet myself, it's so nice to talk with strangers who feel like family. Mm. And then this is the one I kind of mentioned about the uncle, Stefan, um, one of our uh, newer uh, sales reps said, it's great when, you, when your conversations with a customer develop into a friendship. One of my favorite customers, Todd, comes to mind. I'm always his go-to for whatever he needs. He's shared some great advice and stories with me, and as thanks, I got him a wallet with his nickname on it. And now whenever he calls, I greet him with, Hey, Uncle Todd." So he got him a wallet with a nameplate that says Uncle Todd. So this guy's become like a mentor to our sales rep, and that's just so cool. Well, what it speaks
0: to is is the degree to which your culture permeates everyone's position. It it would—I don't know—it'd be impossible as you've grown because you're now at how many employees?
1: Eighty something employees.
0: To try and get from from just from you to try and get that culture out, so you've had to. It really has to be in everything.
1: Yeah, Yeah, most of it comes from our team leads now. They just—they're so good at what they do. They all are ingrained with that culture. Uh, You don't have to be a team leader or a manager to feel it and. And it it starts from the top down and the bottom up. It it goes both ways, Um, so it's important. So
0: how have you seen culture shift, um, and maybe not your culture, but like the management of culture shift as technology has changed throughout the years? Because, for example, you mentioned you guys use Slack. Well, Slack hasn't been around forever. And where do you maybe see things going? Like, how do you stay on top of culture as technology and employee engagement changes.
1: Yeah, so I think I think technology only helps improve it, um, you know, especially like during this pandemic with Zoom. Like, yeah. imagine if you didn't have Zoom, how right. hard it would be. Um, and then uh, communication channels like Slack and all the features they build in there, they, they you know, culture's become a big part of everybody's success now. Sure. And so, you know, companies and technology, they have ingrained culture into their options. You know, like I think Zoom We use Zoom for some of the like uh, random after-hour get-togethers and it has like a scramble mode where it'll randomly put you with other people so then you get to get Mm. to know the other people. I've never heard Um, of that. Slack has random games built into it or Slack can randomly tell you we can set it up so it will randomly message three people a day and bring them together and say hey you guys gotta go get coffee together today. So because culture has become so important it's become Mm. so wide-scale now which I think started with Zappos they were the first to do it really big um, it, it, it's ingrained in technology now. So technology is only going to help that grow, I think. Well,
0: wow, that's great. As long as you know, I, like I didn't know those things existed. Anymore. I didn't
1: either. I learned them from our team, you know, right. they, 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 we got a lot of smart people on our team that look into that.
0: Man, it's awesome. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on?
1: No, I think we've covered a lot. Yeah, a this lot, has been great. It's been a good conversation. Really,
0: like you should be commended not just on your business growth, but, but the way that you guys have embraced and, and, and kind of spearheaded your culture is incredible. Great job.
1: I appreciate that. It, it,
0: so thank you so much to everybody that joined us. Again, you're watching Ocala Hustle. We're telling the story of Ocala business. Today's guest was Joel Rainey, CEO of Rainey's. If you'd like to see more like this, please subscribe to the podcast or hit the like button or subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Thanks so much.